Welcome to the Vitality Health Show, where we inform you about the latest advancements in alternative health care and the best health and wellness solutions to benefit your body, mind, and spirit. Now, here's your host, Stephanie Parrish. Good morning, friends, and welcome. It's a beautiful day today. Welcome to the Vitality Health Show. I am your host, Stephanie Parrish, the voice of hope and healing. And thank you for joining us. First, I'd like to thank our sponsors for making this show possible. We couldn't do it without you. And as a reminder, if you have any questions or suggestions for me, please email me at contact at myvitalityhealthsolutions.com. Again, contact at myvitalityhealthsolutions.com. We have a very special treat for you today. Our guest is an amazing man who served our country and defended our freedom for 16 years as an officer in the U.S. Army. And while serving in Iraq, he was nearly paid the ultimate price when he was basically blown up by a suicide bomber. But he didn't die. He has a great work to do. God spared his life because he has a mission here to complete. And he's doing incredible work to lift and inspire others. His name is Ben Richards, and he's here with us today to share the details of his remarkable journey to this point. So buckle up. We have an awesome show. Before I bring Ben on, let me remind you that if you have any questions for our guests or suggestions, please call. You'll get We'll get you on the show if we can at 866 866- 472-5791. And this will be during the last segment. So call and get on the queue if you've got any questions. 866-472-5791. Now, please welcome to the show, Ben Richards. And welcome to the Vitality Health Show, Ben. Thank you very much, Stephanie. We are so grateful to have you. Ben and I met two or three years ago, I can't remember how long ago it was, at one of the International Hyperbaric Association conventions. Ben was the keynote speaker there. I was just enthralled with him. As I got talking to him, I found out he was actually raised in Idaho Falls, which is where I raised my children. And he graduated from the same high school as most of my kids. And it was just like, oh, we just had this instant kinship. And it's just been wonderful. And he has got quite the story to tell. And first of all, let me tell you, thank you for serving our country. Just before we got on, we were talking about veterans and the importance of our troops and what's happening right now in the world and making sure that our veterans are being taken care of. So I'd like to go back and have you start with your story, because it's pretty amazing where you have come from and where you are right now. And this show is all about hope and healing. And you are the epitome of that right now and the different struggles that you had to go through to get to where you are right now. Can I turn the time over to you, Ben, and go ahead and tell us your story? Well, uh, you know, the, the sad part of, of every journey of, of hope and healing is it begins with, a, with an injury and a challenge. And so for me, my, my journey began actually on Mother's Day in, oh. in May of 2007. And I was serving as, a, as an army officer in Iraq. I was the commander of a, of a cavalry troop, which is a, an organization of about 100 soldiers. And we were equipped with uh, armored vehicles. We had, uh, had about uh, 
a 20, 20 ton, they're called striker armor, armored uh, vehicles, or think of a big eight by eight wheeled, uh, great, great combat vehicles. But at, at the time, uh, I'd been in Iraq since the summer of 2006. And, and you know, to take us back and in, in to remember what was happening in Iraq at this time, this was the period where sectarian violence had really sparked and there was just an incredible amount of violence. And then it, in the winter of 2007, we had a, a new commander come to the scene, uh, General Petraeus, who, who uh, began to change the way that U.S. forces were operating in theater. And he, he, you know, that change was called the surge. And as part of that surge, they brought a lot of the troops, uh, a large number of troops into Iraq. Um, and then those of us who were already there were extended, uh, had our tours extended, unfortunately. But most of us were brought into Baghdad to kind of secure kind of the capital city and the, and the center of gravity for Iraq. But other areas of Iraq were experiencing a lot of insurgent violence. And, and there was different areas that different types of insurgent groups that largely ranged along the sectarian spectrum. You had Shia groups and, and, and Shiite groups, you know, of course, Al-Qaeda being the most, uh, most powerful of those. So at the time, Al-Qaeda was operating in, in an area called Bakuba, which was about 40 miles northeast of Baghdad. It was a provincial capital city of about 300,000 people. And, and my troop as, as part of a, a striker infantry battalion was moved from Baghdad actually up to to Bakuba in March of 2007 and the reason for that is 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 al-qaeda had massed into the city and, and were literally outnumbering the U.S. troops in the area uh, more than four to one in, in actual combat soldiers on the ground and, and it was just a lot of violence in fact that the unit that we that we supported at the same size of unit that that I fell in to, to um, support they had suffered they, they had 17 armored vehicles these are tanks and, and Bradley's they 30 tons, 70 tons, they had lost 19 of 17 armored vehicles. You do the math, everything had been blown up at least once. They had suffered over 15% of their unit had actually been killed. Uh, over a third had been injured so severely that they'd been evacuated back to the United States. It was incredibly violent uh, time. And in fact, if, if we look at, at the history of Iraq, this was actually the bloodiest period of the entire Iraq war were these months in Bakuba, and Bakuba was the bloodiest spot. So, so the more American soldiers were killed at this time, at this place, at any other time in Iraq or Afghanistan. And so my troop was sent into that, and our first day there, we, were, we went from, uh, you know, I'd been in Iraq nine months. I think I'd been personally shot at maybe twice, maybe once. I don't know, it's hard to tell sometimes. But I, you know, I really hadn't experienced a lot of, of, of what I would describe as combat, uh, our first day in Bak was a 12-hour, very intense firefight that included not only my entire troop, but we had tanks, we had uh, you know attack helicopters, uh, you know unlimited use of weapons. It, it was it was just uh, something that you would think of more as appropriate of being part of of World War II than 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 what you typically experience in Iraq. And uh, over the next few months. My troop was assigned to a kind of a, a suburb of, of Bakuba, the city. And, and just by the luck of the draw, this community, this community of about 40,000 people called Baritz, was actually the center for Al-Qaeda in Iraq. You know, it, it literally, they proclaimed it as their capital city. And, uh, you know, it was, it was literally their home field that we had marched wow. onto. And, uh, and so we had, we had a very exciting 
time as you can imagine. But something really amazing happened while we were there. We actually uh, experienced the Al-Qaeda had been so oppressive to the, to the population there that they actually ended up flipping sides. And, and so uh, this is, became what later was known as, as the Sunni awakening. Um, before that, initially, it didn't have a name. Uh, I, I called it something out of the Kit Carson Scouts or something. <laughs> but we didn't have a name for it yet. Um, and this was the very first instance of this happening actually in Iraq, where, where a, a, a city, a population largely flipped against Al-Qaeda. And so because of that, um, I, you know, I was personally targeted for assassination by Al-Qaeda. Oh. And uh, that that ended up happening on, you know, I guess came to fruition on, on May 13th, where, uh, where my armored vehicle was, uh, was smashed into by a sedan with a few hundred pounds of explosives in it and detonated. Now, uh, you know, completely destroyed the armored vehicle that we all survived. Uh, you know, we all walked out with all of our pieces, you know, it was a great vehicle. Uh, but, but we survived, but not entirely whole. And I, and I, in fact, as a part of that experienced some really significant brain damage, uh, you know, as well as some other types of injuries. So fast forward, I, you know, was returned home uh, to, to the United States. And, uh, you know, at that time I was married, I had three children. Um, we've added a fourth since then, and I'm still married, which is a great part of this story. <laughs> Bonus. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, you know, we immediately, my wife noticed we were having problems. And you see a couple of interesting things. In 2007, tr traumatic brain injury was still kind of a new thing. Mm -hmm. And if we th think back in medicine, you know, it was really about this time because 2006, 2007, really 2007, 2008, the exact time, you know, the month that I was blown up had the, had the highest number of IED hits during the entire uh, Iraq mm -hmm. and Afghanistan wars. I mean, th that was the peak was in 2007. And, uh, and so because of the number of, of soldiers who were experiencing brain injuries, this is really the first time that traumatic brain injury became part of our national medical consciousness. Mm. And we were still dealing as, as a, you know, the medical community and, and as a public with a lot of, um, I guess, myths, medical myths that we had inherited. And one of those was that brain injuries always heal. The, the, the data at the time that the Army believed that, that something like 96% of brain injuries would just heal naturally within a few months. And so it wasn't worth expending a lot of time. And in fact, the medical guidelines, which continue to be the medical guidelines for treating traumatic brain injury within the Department of Defense and the Department of Veterans Affairs, their top technique for treating traumatic brain injury, and I'm not joking about this, you can read the treatment guidelines, is to tell the soldier that they're not injured. And because oh. <laughs> they don't want people to start thinking, well, you know, okay, I'm injured, so now I'm going to act injured. Uh, and so they tell you you're not injured. So you actually look at my medical records at the time, and it's very interesting because uh, you look at the record and the doctor writes a little note. It's, you know, the patient was assured that he was fine. And then oh, about geez. 15 minutes, the, there's another note the patient really isn't functioning how at the level that he should, this, this really should be looked at further. Um, of course, the first time I saw that note was, was several years later when I was retired and, and going back through my medical records, you know, no doctor had ever brought it up to me. Right. So, you know, I went through this process where not only did I have significant brain damage, it was undiagnosed and I was suffering from post-traumatic stress disorder as well. And so what do you do uh, when you go through those things? Well, you know, the, the sad part is, is that even to today, even, you know, we're, we're now, Stephanie, we're 20 years 
uh, from the date, wow. you know, from the time that 9-11 happened. And, and we went into Afghanistan uh, almost 20 years uh, past that point. And, and we still do not have effective treatments for traumatic brain injury and PTSD within the Department of Veterans Affairs and within the Department of Defense. So they, wow. they, they went with a belief at the time that you could treat these injuries effectively using certain types of psychotherapy, specifically exposure type therapies, where the veteran or the, the soldier is asked to relive their most traumatic experiences. And the idea is that as you relive these, they become less traumatic over time. And, and that sort of therapy seems to have had a lot of success in certain types of trauma, especially sexual assaults, where, where there's just a limited number of, of, of individual traumas. They find that people who have a lot of traumas who've been abused over a lot of time, they don't respond well. And that seems mm -hmm. to be the case with, with combat veterans. So after years of treatment, you know, and, and uh, you know, I just wasn't getting better, you know, and, and let me, uh, you know, let me give a kind of a highlight of how ineffective some of these treatments are. So to begin with, uh, you know, the, the American Academy of Science did a review of the Department of Defense and the VA and their treatment of, of PTSD. And, and they published these over, over three year, or uh, three volumes. And the, and the last one came out in 2012. And one of the conclusions was that neither Department of Defense nor the VA had any clue whether their treatments were effective because they simply oh. weren't connecti collecting any data on treatment efficacy. They were just guessing that these would be effective and, and they didn't evaluate them. So I'm the only way they, the only ways they could evaluate them, they did have they did have their their top treatment programs or specialized treatment programs. They had twenty six of them in the country, and they did keep track. And in those twenty six programs, which were an average of seven weeks long, um, the average score, the average improvement was so small that it failed to meet the criteria for clinical significance. Basically, oh, it had geez. no impact uh, after seven weeks of treatment. Uh, and these are the top programs in the, in the VA. So the other oh, things wow. that looked, they, they started conducting a number of studies. And, and these were, you know, and, and let me read you some of the conclusions of these studies. So, Here's uh, one from, from 2015. The outcomes from randomized controlled trials suggest that only a minority of veterans can be expected to lose their PTSD diagnosis as a result of getting these treatments, arguably administered in ideal fashion, which they admitted less than 10% of, of veterans have opportunity to receive these treatments under ideal fashion. Oh, that is unreal. Uh, they said attaining high-end state functioning may be the exception rather than rule. Mm. Um, so, so these are the VA's own conclusions from the VA's own doctors. And, yet and we have thousands and thousands <laughs> of soldiers out there that are needing this help so desperately. Right. And so they perpetuate this myth that, that these therapy that they have effective therapies. They simply don't. The data does not support it. You know, I think we all, you know, if you look at in our, you know, especially in our contemporary political environment, we can we can look at how we all choose to believe certain things and that those beliefs aren't often based on actual facts. And, and that's true in the medical community as well. They choose to believe certain things even when those things aren't supported by facts or supported mm -hmm. by data, you know, just because our culture uh, inclines us to have certain beliefs. So how did this apply to me? So at the end of these injuries, after years, you know, what was interesting after, after several years of being injured, the, the department of defense opened up a, a very specialized 
world-class diagnostic clinic for dealing with traumatic brain injury and, and PTSD. I was one of the first patients there. And, and, and part of that, they gave uh, incredible brain imaging. And it turned out, you know, after, after basically denying that I'd had a brain injury for, for several years, when you looked under the camera, I had extensive brain injury. In fact, my brain was injured so badly that, that the, the news program 60 Minutes wanted to do a story on traumatic brain injury. They used an image of my brain as the image of traumatic brain injury because the neurologist described it as, as he calls this is what we say is, this is what we call a janitor shot because a janitor can walk in wow. look at a picture of your brain and say that ain't right um so how did that affect me asymptomatically you know i i'd been married or i was married <laughs> still am married yeah fortunately but you know this was a real challenge for my for my marriage because i was emotionally a mess i was behaviorally a mess my memory was gone I couldn't remember uh, things from, you know, a minute to a minute, you know, um, and, you know, I couldn't be employed. I'd I'd lost my job. I'd lost my career. I was incredibly depressed. You know, I, I, I was in a lot of pain, uh, you know, and and it it got so bad that, that, you know, one, I couldn't believe my wife wouldn't leave me. I was like, (laughs) you know, there's no pathway for you to be happy that still involves me because I was just such a rotten spouse. I was such a rotten mate. And, and I was so discouraged. I was in so much pain, both emotional pain and physical pain, waking up every morning. Um, I probably went five years without a good night's sleep, couldn't sleep, um, and wake up every morning in pain. And, and some mornings I just cry because I didn't want to get out of bed because it literally it hurt to get out of bed. And, and, and it hurt emotionally to, to just realize that I'd have to go through this day after day. And, and you know, you begin to think uh, maybe there's a pathway that does involve me be still being alive, that, that that's the best choice. And so I had a plan. Wow. Uh, there's, there's an eye, you know, and, and so that's where I was. And so we're going to, on that right there, we're going to stop for just a minute on that happy note. And we're going to take a break. I want you guys to stick with us, stay with us, because when you come back, he's going to tell about his recovery and the things that have happened and, and truly the miracles that stepped into your life and how grateful we are for that. So we'll be back in just a few minutes. Stay tuned. You do not want to miss the rest of Ben Richards' story. Thanks so much for being with us. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Learn more about the products and equipment discussed by Stephanie and her guests on the show by visiting MyVitalityHealthSolutions.com. We've done the research for you and selected proven, high-quality brands at competitive prices from companies you can trust. Drugs and surgery are not your only options. Discover the exciting alternative therapies and health and wellness products that are helping people to reclaim their health and enjoy a higher quality of life. That's MyVitalityHealthSolutions.com. Many of us are finding ourselves distracted by what's going on in the world around us today. We find ourselves discontent with our circumstances, with what we have and how we feel about ourselves. And we find ourselves disconnected from those that matter most to us. If this sounds all too familiar, check out MindfulLab.net and see how the practice of mindfulness can change your life today. Powerful programs are available to help you find clarity, connection, and peace at MindfulLab.net. 
Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. You're listening to the Vitality Health Show with Stephanie Parrish. If you have a question for Stephanie or her guest, please email contact at myvitalityhealthsolutions.com. Now, back to the Vitality Health Show. And welcome back, everyone. We are visiting with Ben Richards. He's a friend of mine that has served in the military for over 16 years, suffered a very, very severe traumatic brain injury. He's now talking about this. We're talking about how it totally changed his life. You were a different person when you came home than when you left, right? He was just saying how grateful he was that his wife stayed with him. A lot of families don't stay together after they go through something like this. So you are very fortunate. You have a very strong, beautiful wife and very supportive. And what's so cool is that you were willing to look and find and find treatment, something that could help. We're talking right now about how our veterans out there just are, are kind of stuck. There's, there's not treatment that needs to be out there for them. So let's just pick it back up where we were just at. You were just talking about how, Everything had changed, your personality, the pain, everything. So let's pick it up from there, Ben. Well, and, and Stephanie, I just, uh, you're giving me a little too much credit in that, uh, you know, one of the parts of the story is I, I didn't, I wasn't looking. I didn't think there was anything else that could be done. Mm-hmm. So let me, you know, to go back that, that after several years, I, I hadn't, was very well documented the level of injury that I had. In fact, you know, I think we look at this, um, one of the ways that you can assess, you know, a person's, how a person's mind has changed is, you know, through, through uh, psychometric testing and, you know, neuropsychological right. exams, IQ testing. And, and just as an example of how significant this invisible brain damage was, that in, in certain aspects of my mental function, I had lost over 70 IQ points. So if you think that, you know, an average IQ is a hundred, you know, I've lost 78, you know, uh, uh, you know, I don't mean to be politically, politically incorrect. We used to call when you were really low that you're retarded. I was literally retarded. Um, You know, I'd gone from being a, 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 you know, the top 10% of my class at the United States Military Academy to being literally retarded uh, in certain aspects of function. Um, You know, and, and of course, uh, you know, when you combine that, uh, you know, low men, you know, that immense, massive change in mental function, uh, you know, and it wasn't wasn't across the board. So some areas I was still functioning close to, to pre-injury levels, um, but in some areas I wasn't. And, and, and part of that disparity, uh, you know, caused a lot of problems. I was emotionally a wreck, uh, you know, really couldn't control my my emotional behavior. I, I literally hadn't felt happiness in years. And um and, and, but I, you know, I'd been committed to, to therapy. So, you know, again, I went through, the, I got the best, you know, one of the points I'd like to make is I got the best care available to any injured, invisibly wounded combat veteran in the United States. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I was, I was one of, like I said, I, w- I was able to go to the, the, 
DOD's brand new top treatment facility. At that time, they were treating less than 300 people a year uh, because it was such a specialized case. I was one of the few that was able to do that. And, and so I went through years of psychotherapy. I went through physical rehabilitation. I went through occupational rehabilitation. I did speech and language rehabilitation. I did uh, music and art therapy. I did meditations. I did uh, acupunctures. I did um, Botox treatments. <laughs> I did nerve blocks. I did, uh, tw- I think the count was 22 prescription medications. Mm-hmm. What's interesting, interesting point on prescription medications, that many of the medications that I was prescribed, if you look at, again, at the DOD MVA treatment guidelines, they specifically say, don't prescribe these medications to veterans with post-traumatic stress disorder. Oh and my I was given, goodness. And, and, and six of them had on the warning label, may cause suicidal thoughts or actions. Oh, that just uh, not a good combination. Willie. When you're dealing with somebody who's already, you know, inclined, yeah. uh, you know, because of, of your life, you know, your life is literally, you know, all the things that I worked for, it, I felt had been destroyed. You know, my, 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 was not a good father. My, you know, I felt that my family would be better off without me, but I'd gone through everything. I'd gone through all these therapies. I gotten the best care. And, and at the end of the day, at the end of the day, uh, as I was, as I was finally retired from the army, my wife and I sat down with the doctors and basically they said, there's nothing more you can do. Your ah. life is not only going to stay this bad, you're going to get worse over time. And all we can do is try to mitigate the pain and, and, and you need to go to acceptance therapy and just learn how to accept this, this new normal. Uh, oh, that changed the new normal. So that, that was, that was not a good experience. So what happened next? So just miraculously, I guess, you know, with, uh, within a, a few weeks of that experience happening, um, I, just a bolt from the blue, uh, an organization reached out called Stand for the Troops. And Stand for the Troops is a, is a veteran-focused nonprofit that was founded by one of America's most decorated combat heroes, a man named David Hackworth, who saw, served uh, and was decorated for his combat service as an infantryman in both World War II, Korea, and in Vietnam. Wow. Um, he earned uh, over ten silver, or he earned ten silver stars for valor. So uh, he was nominated wow. for the Medal of Honor. Um, number of other things, but incredible. So he, he had passed away uh, the same year that I was injured, but his, his widow uh, continued to, to kind of drive the organization. And she reached out to me and, and offered an opportunity to, to go uh, to a therapy called hyperbaric oxygen therapy. And, and I had never heard of it, um, which is funny. One of the clinics that I've, I've gone to treatment, I actually, when I got married, I actually lived just a block away from, I've never heard of it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I've never heard, I'd never heard of hyperbarics. You know, I'd, I'd never heard that that was a treatment option. I, right. You know, the best doctors in the, in the military had told me there was nothing I could do. Um, but, but there were two things that, that kind of factored in. One is, is the president for stand for the troops was a retired uh, major general. Uh, his name is John Batiste. He was West Point graduate. He had an incredible reputation, uh, at least with me, he had an incredible reputation. He was an, a man of an, an incredible character and, and had a very um, 
he was very well known at the time. So because of that, because of who David Hackworth was, because of who John Batiste was, I was inclined to to believe or to at least give them the benefit of the doubt. And second, they said they'd pay for it. Uh, hey, and yeah, three, I, I, you know, which is I, huge. I, I mean, that's that's a huge, huge oh, thing I, because it is expensive. Well, and it's not accessible for our military. Right. Well, and, and, you know, as as a retiree, I went I went from a major, uh, you know, who was, who was making a, you know, a, a very good salary uh, to uh well, when you're when you're medically retired, you don't make. A, I was. I think my my salary was only about half of what I was making mm. as an active duty officer. Uh, so we we weren't exactly rolling in in the dough, um, you know, at the time. So uh, anyway, I I was able to go down to to New Orleans and to a doctor named Paul Harch. And if you're in the the hyperbaric field, you've probably heard of Paul Harch before. He's uh, one he, of my heroes. I've worked with him, and I just love him. So he, he's a uh, he's an associate professor at at Louisiana State University, and, and a, an expert in hyperbaric medicine. And, and not only is he incredibly brilliant and an incredibly gifted physician, uh, but he is a man of an incredible character. Um, I just he, he possesses a a, a a type of noblesse oblige. Uh, that that's I think based in his incredible talents and his incredible character. But he he offered to treat me at his own expense down in New Orleans. So I went down there, traveled down, spent two months uh, under his care, receiving hyperbaric oxygen therapy, and then uh, went back uh, later for another two months, total of about eighty therapies mm-hmm. or treatment sessions. So th- this was really I, I really didn't think hyperbarics was going to work. To be honest, I was skeptical. Uh, I'd never heard of it before. Um, like I said, uh, you know, the, the top doctors in the military said, you're done. This is nothing. You're not going to get better. You, you've, there's no improvement. You're just getting worse at this point. So I, you know, I didn't have any reason. I tried, you know, all these other therapies, you right. know, these traditional therapies, and they didn't work. So, um, you know, I, I knew it wasn't going to work. So what happened? Well, I'll tell you, really strange. So about three weeks into treatment, mm-hmm. uh, a couple things happened, uh, First thing, I woke up one morning, and I wasn't tired. That was the first time in five years that I'd woken up and not been exhausted. It was amazing. And I stood up, and I wasn't in pain. Hmm. And then, I, I, you know, before that, you know, part of the injury, uh, you know, I had a lot of pain, a lot of fatigue. I'd, every time I'd stand up, it, you, if you ever walked around with a lot of weight on, I felt like I had 300 pounds that I was carrying. Every time I stood up was an effort. Every time I walked, I felt like an effort. I was, I was bouncing up and down. I went and bought a bicycle. <laughs> I rode a bike around. I was so excited. So, and then, and then something incredible happened. I realized I was happy. Oh. And now let me tell you about this because I mean, you're like, oh, I'm happy all the time. I had not chemically felt happy in five years, and, you know, there's chemicals involved here, uh, you know, not just, not just, I have a, I have good wellness state. Uh, I had not chemically felt happy probably in five years. Uh, it was a, it was, I don't know. I can't imagine a better drug. I, it was, it was, it, it was ecstatic. I was, this is amazing. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and I just kept getting better and I could start you know, I think it's true. You know, the haze starts to clear. I could think in ways that I couldn't think before. 
Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I, it was remarkable. I, my family uh, had, had stayed in, um, at that point, we were living in Iowa, and they'd stayed in Iowa. And I, I came home two minutes later, or two months later, my, my teenage daughter uh, came up, and, and within the first day, she's like, Daddy's healed. I mean, just oh. the difference. You could just wow. physically see a difference. Um, you know, you don't see it when you're, you know, day to day, you wake up and you look in the mirror every morning, but somebody who hadn't seen me for two months uh, could see a clear difference. And, wow. and it, you know, I, I, I was able to feel happy again. I was able to feel free from pain, uh, you know, and, and I got my life back. Um, I became a good husband, well, at least a, acceptable husband. Uh, Jury's still out on that, but, but I became a good father. You know, I I have a relationship with my children again. Um, My kids love me. I love my kids. I can feel that. Uh, You know, my, my, I love my wife. We have a great relationship. Uh, You know, I'm able to contribute again. Um, We, we, you know, we, we went through why we're going through this treatment. We did a series of functional brain scans and we saw Mm -hmm. an actual, we saw a measurable, a 20% increase in brain function. Uh, do this. We we did neuropsych, you know, neurometric, uh, neuropsychological exams. We saw a massive increase in my IQ. You know, um, back closer. So it's to actually the, measurable. People could see it. You can see it if you're getting these tests done after you're doing hyperbaric. You can physically see what's happening and changing in yeah, there. So it's so cool. Right. So I I could feel it. My family could see it, and and we could measure it. Uh, you know, using you know, diagnostic tools, measurement tools, testing tools. So, so it was, a you know, an incredible experience. And, uh, you know, it, it just, Dr. Harch saved my life. I'm, you know, I just absolutely saved my life. He saved my family. He saved my marriage. Mm-hmm. And, and because of him and, and hyperbaric oxygen therapy, I was able to return to being a contributing functioning member of society. And, that gives me goosebumps. Uh, and and um, I'm just one of many. <laughs> so. Well, you know, Ben, you you really pushed hyperbaric forward for a lot of people. I've had my clinic for a little over eight years, and I have seen tremendous, tremendous things happen with hyperbaric. And my heart just has been hurting for our veterans because they would come in with no place, no way to pay for it because they needed to have the VA pay for it and the VA hadn't cleared it to pay for it. I did everything I could to give them as much treatment as I could, you know, um, pro bono with them. But it needs to be out there. People need to understand what hyperbaric does. And for you, I mean, you're you're a walking miracle because of Dr. Harsh taking you under his wing and doing this for you. And this is something we've talked about. And hyperbaric, I would like you to talk just a minute because you were the president. You can tell us a little bit about this. This is how, where I met you when you were the president. Go ahead and tell us a little bit about that of the International Medical Hyperbaric Association. I think I said that right. <laughs> <laughs> well, the, well, terrific. Yeah. And, and I, you know, um, one point before I do get into that, you know, you talk about being a walking miracle. But what one of the things that's interesting about my personal experience, you look at the way that, that we measured my improvement was a way that, that a lot of the clinical trials with, with other combat veterans use some of the same metrics to measure their mm-hmm. improvement. And, and from that perspective, my improvement is not abnormal. It is, it is very center of mass. 
Uh, it is very average. And uh, you know, if this is average, this is wow. Uh, so what what happened? You know, I, I I had this you know great experience, and and uh, with Stand for the Troops, I I was able to go and and to become a part of that organization. That that's what takes up still a lot of my time. Uh, but I I became very involved in some of the other hyperbaric organizations. So initially, there was an organization called the International Hyperbaric International Hyperbaric Medical Association, mm-hmm. and they invited me to. Uh, join the board of directors, uh, you know, specifically with kind of a portfolio to deal with, with uh, veterans, you know, to be kind of a veterans advocate and to, mm-hmm. uh, you know, meet with political leaders and, and, and kind of share uh, what, what hyperbarics could do. And at this time, um, you know, th- this was, of course, a, a big hot button issue. And then, uh, so I served on that board for a couple years. And then uh, over time, uh, we kind of realized that the hyperbaric field needed to grow, that, that International Hyperbaric Medical Association by itself uh, could do a lot more if it, if it teamed with other organizations. And so we actually merged uh, a couple of organizations together, the, the International Hyperbaric Medical Association and the American Hyperbaric, um, actually, let me get this right, was... Uh, we can't even remember who we all merged together. <laughs> it was we, a whole group a, effort. Yeah, we took a couple of organizations. We merged together into one group, and we called that Hyperbaric Medicine International. Mm-hmm. And I uh, it became uh, kind of the first president. Uh, is that one of the things that we learned at, at the International Hyperbaric Medical Association? Is while doctors are, are often very gifted and able to, to to share a lot about medicine, they're often not as good at running organizations. So I was, <laughs> I was kind of the uh, uh, the. Exact executive, uh, you know, to, to help run that organization and, and kind of enable those medical professionals um, right. to, to share their stories and to share their data. That's and, so beautiful. Uh, we're going to, sorry, we're going to have to catch off for just a second. We're going to get ready to go to our next break. Oh, this time goes by so fast. I could talk to you for hours and hours and hours. Um, we do want to take this next break really quickly. We want to come back. We want to pick that back up. And then I want you to talk a little bit more of the stand for troops, because I think what you're doing for our troops is absolutely phenomenal. And we've got so many out there. I've got relatives, very close relatives that are serving in the military. I'm so grateful for you and for them. They are heroes. They're there to protect us and and watch over and, and make sure that we're safe and that we can have freedoms that we have been known to have <laughs> and that they're out there doing everything they can for us. So let's take a break real quick. We'll be right back in just a few minutes with Ben Richards. Stay with us. Do not leave. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Learn more about the products and equipment discussed by Stephanie and her guests on the show by visiting MyVitalityHealthSolutions.com. We've done the research for you and selected proven, high-quality brands at competitive prices from companies you can trust. Drugs and surgery are not your only options. Discover the exciting alternative therapies and health and wellness products that are helping people to reclaim their health and enjoy a higher quality of life. That's MyVitalityHealthSolutions.com. Many of us are finding ourselves distracted by what's going on in the world around us today. We find ourselves discontent with our circumstances, with what we have and how we feel about ourselves. And we find ourselves disconnected from those that matter most to us. If this sounds all too familiar, check out MindfulLab.net and see how the practice of mindfulness can change your life today. 
powerful programs are available to help you find clarity, connection, and peace at MindfulLab.net. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. You're listening to the Vitality Health Show with Stephanie Parrish. If you have a question for Stephanie or her guest, please email contact at myvitalityhealthsolutions.com. Now, back to the Vitality Health Show. Thank you so much and welcome back. We are having a fascinating conversation with a friend of mine, Ben Richards. He's been in the military for 16 years. He was basically blown up while he was in Iraq. We're talking about his recovery and right now how important hyperbaric oxygen has been to him. Those of you that know me have been following me for years know that that is where one of my huge passions is, is with hyperbaric because of what we see happen when the body receives the oxygen that the body needs to have. The body can do amazing things if it's given the right tools. We know that the body can repair and regenerate itself. That's how God created our bodies. And that's what we're talking about right now. And Ben's amazing transformation once they finally got him into the hyperbaric after years, five years of all the other things and basically being told there's nothing else that can we can do for you. I cannot tell you how many of my clients have come into my clinic and said the doctors have said there's nothing else we can do for you. And my <laughs> my response to them is, well, then let's see what your body can do. You know, okay, let's try it. So that's kind of where you are at. So let's um, kind of wrap that part up a little bit. And then I want to get more into the Stand for the Troops because I think that is such an amazing program that you're involved in and how people can get hold of you if they would like to be part of that Stand for the Troops. So let's kind of finish up. You got to work with Dr. Harsh. You were the president of the of the Hyperbaric, International Hyperbaric Medical Association. You've done just amazing things and touched so many people and really pushed hyperbaric forward so that it's more accessible to people. I know for me, and being able to meet you and being able to be part of the International Hyperbaric Association, it's really been able to push hyperbaric forward and give people an option. We want to talk about our troops, though, because our troops are really out there just kind of trying to figure it out and trying to figure out what is for them and how they can get help and what they can do because so many are suffering from PTSD or from different traumas that they just need help with. So let's kind of transition a little bit into, unless you've got something else you'd like to say about the hyperbaric, because it is absolutely phenomenal. <laughs> Go ahead. Oh, no, let's, uh, let's talk about, let's talk about the troops. That's a, uh, let's talk about the troops. Passion. Okay. Tell well, us a little uh, bit about what this stand for troops are. You told us a little bit about it. So what are you, what's your involvement and how can other people that are listening out there get involved? 
All right. Well, uh, as I mentioned earlier, Stand for the Troops is a a veteran-serving nonprofit organization that it has as its mission to identify and, and to make available therapies that will help uh, combat veterans. And, and we've expanded our mission now to include first responders, uh, heal from the invisible wounds of war, traumatic brain injury, and post-traumatic stress disorder. And one of the things that you know, you don't have to look very far at the data, as we've discussed earlier. That one, the therapies that are traditionally used to treat these to treat these injuries really don't really aren't effective in combat veterans. Uh, the data is unequivocal; they, they just don't work. And uh, you know, we could say that maybe some people experience some minor improvement at the margins, but but the majority of combat veterans do not see relief, uh, do not see symptomatic improvement, and do not see meaningful change in their lives. The other aspect is that these injuries don't go away. Uh, you know, I think I think everybody, you know, looking back at, at men who've served in in Vietnam and and in and other wars, uh, post traumatic stress and traumatic brain injury, those are lifetime injuries. They they just don't go away. In fact, one of the interesting statistics is that while the war in Iraq and Afghanistan were going on. Roughly the same number of Vietnam veterans were fr- diagnosed for the first time with post-traumatic stress disorder. Uh, wow! So, you know that that doesn't reflect that their that their PTSD had just had just emerged at that time. The data, you know, when we looked at at, at sample data from from studies that were done, in fact, in 1988, uh, one of the largest PTSD prevalence studies ever done, uh, and uh, they they found they found that roughly a third of, of veterans from Vietnam suffered from post-traumatic stress disorder. Everybody laughed at it at the time. They said, oh, that number's way too big. And they had to develop another study that would come with a much lower number. But what's funny is that number that was produced in 1988 is now the number, uh, is now the number, uh, you know, that, wow. that roughly, uh, roughly 15 to 20% of, of Vietnam veterans uh, continue to suffer from PTSD. You know, mm. now now we're you know fifty years after the after the event. So these these are lifetime injuries. They don't go away, wow. and, and and they they can they can kind of wax and wane over a person's life. So how do you deal with those? You know, the the other aspect of this is how, how can you afford to get treatment? Uh, exactly. You know, you mentioned you gave a little, a lot of, a lot of pro bono care, and that's how the majority of veterans like me have, have gotten treatment. Mm-hmm. And, you know, to put this in perspective, a, a veteran, uh, a veteran who is totally and permanently disabled by TBI and PTSD. So this means that they're, they're not able to have employment because their injuries just preclude them from having employment. Uh, they make as much as a private first class in the army. That that's their disability rate. A, wow. a, a, a totally and permanently disabled veteran, combat veteran in the United States, cannot afford a two bedroom apartment in half of the states in the country. Yeah. Oh, so just... we're not. This this is not. You know, you look at that that disability pension. You'll be, like, you know, bringing in the big bucks. Yeah, not really. Um, 
so so how do you solve that how do you solve right. that so there's 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 a uh, you know there's a number of nonprofit organizations that have been funding you know treatments for for combat veterans some do a better job than others um, but a lot of them are just fantastic and stand for the troops is one of those we fund we've we've been able to fund a number of combat veterans to be able to go through hyperbaric oxygen therapy at at, at a variety of clinics around the country We've also been able to fund a few studies uh, for different therapies and evolving therapies in, into traumatic uh, brain injury with our partners. So we're, we're partnered with the uh, the post-traumatic stress uh, disorder center at Columbia University mm-hmm. and, and also with the New York Psychiatric Institute. Um, so, so we, you know, we've been able to contribute a lot, but how do you solve that problem? And, and right. you know, there, there's a lot of, there's a lot of interesting components to this. So one, the VA is started finally starting to open up a little bit typer barracks, but it's it's very ambiguous and they're they're doing it scream kicking and screaming. So yes. you know it, it to date to date there have been there have been now uh, five high end studies specifically studying combat veterans using hyperbarics to treat combat veterans with TBI and PTSD. Every one of those has returned better outcomes than the studies that have used traditional therapies. Oh my in gosh, fact, wake up. <laughs> the last the last study that was published was published in 2019 by Dr. Lynn Weaver in Salt Lake City. Mm. And uh, one of his, you know, you, you never see these in in the conclusion, you know, the best place to hide to hide information is to put it in the body of an of an academic article. Nobody ever reads. <laughs> yes, yes, uh, so if it's not in the abstract, but in the body, tucked away where nobody <laughs> could see it. Um, he, he points out that based on the these, these studies, the DOD funded four of them, and one was one was funded privately by by mostly by the Semper Fi Foundation at the Marine Corps. Mm. But uh, you know, when you look at those, he points out that no other therapy in existence has come even has has matched hyperbaric oxygen therapy in in its outcomes in the healing for traumatic brain injury and post traumatic stress disorder. So the VA has been coming around slowly. They started a pilot program where there are now five VA hospitals in the country where you can get uh, referred out, and the VA will pay for hyperbaric oxygen therapy. Um, but uh, that sounds Five. really good. Five. Well, and, and let me let me uh, let me d- drill down on this a little bit. So in the first two years of this program. Uh, those five pro- those five hospitals treated a total of nine patients oh. in the first two years of those programs. So on one hand, you have them saying we'll provide this. And at the other hand, the VA is telling don't 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 send it. So it's a, oh it's a uh, you know, it's a real mix. Uh, so it, it's, you know, the bottom line is you're not going to get access. So how do you, how do you get access? So, you know, we, we, we've got one, there's, there's greater awareness that, and, and greater data, you know, high quality data showing that this is effective for treating traumatic brain injury and post-traumatic stress disorder. In fact, it outperforms every other therapy currently used by the Department of Defense and the Department of Veterans Affairs. Uh, oh, so just amazing. <laughs> second, second, obstacle is is cost and uh the problem is you go to a hospital say say you go uh you go to your local hospital i you know if i go down the street and and i and i say i I need some hyperbaric oxygen therapy uh they'll probably charge me the average cost in the country for a hospital hyperbaric therapy treatment is about three thousand dollars per treatment 
I've, I've seen literally, I've seen a receipt for one treatment for $10,000 in a hospital in Oklahoma. Uh, so, you know, 3000 is, is a, is a low, is the average and it goes up, it goes up from there. So you think about that, no matter how effective that therapy is, you're, you're just not going to get access to yeah. it at 3000. I mean, I, 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 that'd be $240,000 of treatment, you know, <laughs> yeah. that's like no. my house. Yeah, um, exactly. You know, so so how do you? Well, here's the here's the funny thing is is even those hospitals, you literally look at the price structure and how much does it actually cost them? Well, they're charging about three thousand dollars. Well, in reality, it costs them about one hundred and fifty dollars per dive, and that's with everybody getting paid, making you know where, where it's where it's a profitable venture for them. You know, every sure. a fair rate of return for everybody. So so uh, uh, we've uh, only but, got a few minutes left. So I want you to just tell everybody how they can get hold of you. Oh, I wish we had more time because this is so important. Stand for the troops. How do they get hold of you? Well, right. how do they find out about Stand for the Troops? So Stand for the Troops, the best way is go to our website. It's SFTT, Stand for the Troops, SFTT.org. And we're doing an exciting fundraiser right now. I think this is probably the coolest uh, promotion I've ever seen in my life. It's called yeah. the Lost Corvette. So if you go to the lostcorvettes.com, I'll say that again, the lostcorvettes.com. And this is a, one of the greatest barn finds of, in history. We have 26 vintage Corvettes uh, from 1953 to 1989. Originally, we, we started with 36. 10 of them have already been auctioned off. So we have 26 left. And you can... Uh, purchase basically a raffle ticket. You can you can make a donation and be entered into a drawing for one of these 26 vintage Corvettes. I'll tell you, the most expensive of these cars is worth almost half a million dollars. These are incredible. <laughs> so and, crazy. And I'll tell you that all the uh, all the profits, all the revenue that stand for the troops will receive from this will be used to treat combat veterans and first responders with hyperbaric oxygen therapy and other therapies that we will be including along with as adjuncts to hyperbaric oxygen therapy. And wow, we, can do this, we can do this an incredible, incredibly low cost per veteran um, and uh, with our partners and, and our, uh, in our developing clinic system. So I uh, encourage any of you who, who have a desire to help combat veterans who are suffering from traumatic brain injury, or post-traumatic stress disorder, or first responders, police officers, firefighters. That, uh, that I love that you've included them. I love that you have included them in there because they've come into my clinic a lot too, my first responders. Well, it's beautiful. And as we've seen over the last year, uh, you know, these, these, these men and women are on the front lines, uh, you know, in, in every sense. So, oh, Ben, I love you. I think let's one more time SFTT that stand for the troops dot org. And the program is the lost corvettes.com. Go on there and look, you guys, buy a raffle ticket. This money all goes to our veterans. We want to be able to, these guys have got some big things planned. We can't bring it out yet, but hopefully when all this comes about, we'll be able to do another show with Ben and talk about what they're, what else they're doing to help our veterans and our first responders. And this is just amazing. So uh, one more last word, Ben, what would you like to say to, to our audience out there that, that could help them in what we're doing? 
Well, I'd, I'd just like maybe to, to, to make a tribute to all those, uh, you know, as serving as the president of Hyperbaric Medicine International and on the board of International Hyperbaric Medical Association, got to meet hyperbaric providers across the country and across the world. And as a body, what an incredibly dedicated group of, of physicians and care providers who, who are making possible uh, real healing and, and giving people their lives back. So, you know, people like you, Stephanie, thank you for your service. Absolutely. Thank you, Ben. You're amazing. If you've got any questions or comments for me that I can pass on to Ben, please send them to contact at myvitalityhealthsolutions.com. Again, contact at myvitalityhealthsolutions.com. Let's take care of our veterans, our first responders. We love you, Ben. Thank you so much. Been a pleasure to have you on here. Please contact us. It's time to wrap up. I hate it when I get that notice, but we got so much more to share but we will do a follow-up on other things that are coming again stand for the troops sftt.org go on there check them out thanks everybody be safe be happy be healthy have a wonderful safe week we hope you enjoyed this episode of the vitality health show be sure to tune in next Thursday for another informative show with Stephanie Parrish and leading health and wellness experts. That's Thursday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time and 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Have a wonderful, healthy week. Statements made and information provided on this program are for educational purposes only. They have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration and products discussed on this program are not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. The Vitality Health Show is not responsible for any misunderstandings or misapplication of information presented in this show. 